Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Here to There with Carolyn Takeda. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Carolyn Takeda, and this is Here to There, where we explore movement from here, our present reality, to there, the future that God has for us. So we all want the Bible, God's Word, to be central in our small groups, and we want everyone in our church and in our small groups to be formed by the Word of God. But how do people really learn Scripture? In the world of Christian education, we might ask, what is the best learning model to use in different types of small groups? Well, historically, there's been a criticism of the small groups movement that you may have heard, that it tends to be light on Bible study, um, especially when in some small group systems, leaders don't need to know much about the Bible to lead a group. And given our post-Christian context and in our culture, there are increasing numbers of people who have little or no exposure to the Bible before entering our groups. And of course, there's people who've been around churches for years, but may not really know what the Bible says or even how to study it in a systemic way. So it's becoming more imperative for churches to incorporate learning more systematically into their small groups as they become primary discipleship models for many of our churches. So here to give us insight on this topic is Dr. and Pastor Josh Rose. Thank you, Josh, so much for being on the program. It's great to be here. So Josh and I met a few years ago at a small group network lobby conference, which, by the way, is coming up in February 2021. And so you should register now because it is like the best. We have a great time. You enjoy those. You've been to a few of those. I have. It's always a great time just meeting new people and reacquainting re, uh, myself with friends. Yeah. So um, as we, this is what happened. We met and I was asking him what he's uh, he's been up to. And then he was telling me a few years back um, because you were just finishing your master's program and you're about to start your PhD program. And I was just fascinated by his, his topic of study on learning theories and the research he was doing. And we talked for a while about how it could apply into the small group um, space. And so Josh is unique um, in his qualification to talk about this topic because he straddles both the academic world um, and also as um, a pastor. So let me tell you a little bit about him. He's been leading small groups for nearly 20 years and has served as a small groups pastor um, for the last uh, 15. And he currently serves as a group life pastor at Rush Creek Church, which is a multi-site in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where he leads a small groups team and also serves on the strategic leadership team. Um, on the academic side, he serves as the adjunct professor of Christian ed at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, Dallas Baptist University, and Beach Carroll Theological Institute. Good grief. You stayed really busy, Josh. <laughs> Wait, and if that wasn't enough, uh, congratulations on your brand new gig. Um, you just started a new part-time role at Southwestern Seminary as the program director for the new Doctor of Ed degree. So that just happened, right? It just happened a few weeks ago. Yeah, very excited. Very excited. That- yeah, so you just God just gave you extra twenty hours. What what happened to your in your life? What is going on? You know, when you say it like that, it makes me tired. But I just kind of <laughs> look at the calendar and say what's next and move on. That's good. You know what it means? It means that you have a really supportive wife um, and yes, and a family and three kids and a family that like is right behind you and supporting mm-hmm. you in ministry. So that's a great thing. Yeah. All right. So um, partly what was so interesting when we were chatting back then and then in our conversation, our friendship since was um, you shared something about what happens when you go to Christian ed conferences and you tell people that you're a small groups pastor 
And apparently they don't cheer loudly. Or when you're in the small group um, conferences space and then you tell people you teach Christian ed, again, you're not getting a lot of cheers. So tell us what goes on in those two spaces. So it's more of a furrowed brow that people give. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what to do with this conversation. I feel awkward. <laughs> so on the, on the Christian ed side, uh, you know, you wear these badges and they'll have your school underneath your name mm -hmm. and I'll just have my church underneath my name. And so they're like, well, clearly he's not full-time faculty anywhere. Right. And, they'll, and they'll ask me, well, what do you do? And I'll say, well, I'm a small group pastor. And then it's the, hmm. Now, <laughs> sometimes they'll be very excited because they do small groups at their church and they want to talk about right. the big names, Gladen and Donahue and Willits and these kind of guys. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm familiar with their work. Yes. <laughs> and they'll want to talk all about their experience at their, uh, at their church and their own mm -hmm. life experience. Once we can, you know, every now and again, we'll have coffee and they'll want to talk about it and they'll have some opinion related mm -hmm. to a pooling of ignorance, low qualifications for leadership, <laughs> right. things like that. That's pretty textbook. And on the small group side, when I, I mean, I don't go wearing a badge, say I teach, but <laughs> they'll say, what do you do? And I'll say, I do this. And then I'm also uh, serving students in the academy. And it's okay, wait, this, but, but I have to tell our listeners, um, because we're also on Zoom so we can see each other, hmm. you guys missed a Josh puffing out his chest when he said, <laughs> when he said I teach. So just so yeah. you know, this is, this is how he thinks of small group people. That's hilarious, <laughs> yes. Uh, it just comes out. I can't help it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they'll, they'll ask me what I do. And when I say that I, I serve students in the academy, there's this, I don't know what to do with this conversation. Mm. And so what I'm able to kind of distill from these two camps, and I'm, I'm speaking generally, of course, is that there seems to be a divide. And what I always advocate, and I have been advocating since I've graduated, is more of a symbiotic relationship between mm -hmm. the academy and practitioners. So here's, here's what I mean by that quickly is small group pastors can get so much mileage out of the skill sets of the academy. In other words, if you're a small group pastor listening to this and you have professors of Christian ed in your church, mm -hmm. they should become your best friend. Because listen, no, they go through these doctoral programs and they are put through the ringer on how to research, how to write. In other words, how to get information fast, distill it, and put it in a, in, in a way that people can understand it. That's true. The last time I checked, small group practitioners are not loaded with extra time to do all those things. Mm -hmm. So they could be a very good servant to you as a small group pastor to say, I'm interested in this thing that I'm seeing with our people. What does the research say about that? And then let them serve you in that way. And then the flip side where you're serving them is you're able to share with them things that you're seeing on the front lines. Hey, I'm reading this, I'm hearing this, but that's not what's happening in, my, in, in small groups. Right. So the professor is able to get real-time data on, hey, we keep puffing ourselves up thinking we're discovering all this new information, and mm -hmm. it's absolutely worthless. It's not, <laughs> it doesn't work in the church. And right. so if there could be some more coming together and dialogue between the two camps, I think we would have a stronger church and yeah. a stronger academy. That's a really good point. Do you think there's echoes of this conversation in past years? I think uh, with um, the false dichotomy with with Sunday school versus small groups, it seems like that's died down a little bit, Josh. But you know what I mean. Like people um, would 
and talk about, well, Sunday school is real Bible study. And see, you know, I'm using that different tone there too, right? Yeah. Real Bible study. And what they do in small groups is just really fellowship, just um, a little bit dressed up. Like that used to be the criticism. Sure. Um, And then the flip side, the small group people would say, well, we really love people. Sunday school is just putting more information into people's brains. I mean, is that a little bit of the, the tension that comes up between those camps? Yeah, I wouldn't use the word tension. I would use the word swagger. I would Ooh. say that there's a there's some <laughs> swagger on each side, um, but yeah, there's this misunderstanding. And I think uh, I first heard about it uh, about the kind of healing the divide, um, solving the swagger. I first heard about it from Steve Gladen, mm-hmm. and, and at, a, at a conference. I can't even remember where where I was at, but I remember him talking about this importance of a strategic nature of what yeah. you're doing. Like, look. Bill Donahue's talked about this as well. Look, put on a sheet of paper, what are you trying to produce here? Mm-hmm. And then what are the methodologies we can employ in order to hit the target on the wall? Yes. And for some churches, that's going to be a Sunday school methodology. Other churches, that's not a real that's not a reality for them. It can't be a Sunday school methodology. It's got to be something different. But it starts with that target on the wall of what are you trying to produce here? So I think I credit both of those guys as where I first heard this. And I think that there are some similarities to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Oh, for um, sure. So. But yeah, no, that's a really great point. I think um, when we're not so wedded to our methods, what does Andy Stanley always says? You know, marry your, marry your purpose and date mm-hmm. your method, something mm-hmm. to that. I'm sure he said in a more pithy, brilliant way, <laughs> yeah. as Andy Stanley has a way with words. But the idea that um, it's a really both and, right? And I love mm-hmm. to point out some churches and some congregations may need to do um, – one side, one kind or another through different seasons. We actually have both and mm-hmm. it's, it serves our people better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads to, to really kind of maybe um, scaling back and looking at this from a, a, a broader view about learning theory. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about learning theory, how, how does that um, apply uh, to small groups more specifically and just kind of Christian ed in general? I know that's a big, big topic, but if you can distill for those of us who don't, um, you know, deal with these topics all the time. Like, how would you Mm -hmm. um, help us understand Christian ed and then also specifically as it applies to groups? It's a great question. It's a hard question. It's a very uh, sprawling question, so to speak. You don't have a 20-week semester to teach (laughs) teach this. (laughs) I mean, kind of the elevator pitch of what it is. Yes. Um, So learning, so theory is just an explanation. So when you say learning theory, you're looking for an explanation on learning, explanation for how people learn, explanation Mm -hmm. for the learning process. And it can be instructive by just understanding what that means. Some people say that you don't really need to pay attention to theories because it's just someone's opinion. And that's that's true, but false. It's true in that it's someone's explanation, but it's also true that it might be right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So uh, 20th century. And I mean, there's a long, long history of literature in the social sciences, for sure, on learning theory and uh, the Christian ed space. You know, as as uh, academics, we have to be conversant in that literature. We have to go step into that secular space, understand what the theoretical presuppositions are so that we can put them through the needle of the scriptures and say, mm-hmm. does this hold water? Because we don't want to just plug and play theories that are contrary to the Imago Dei. That's a massive right. one with developmental psychology. Right. Uh, we got We have to actually figure out what is in alignment and what is not. What about the epistemology? So the source of mm-hmm. truth, that could have huge implications. So the academics need to step into that space and be conversant. 
What they do then is they take what they find in that space and they come over to the church and they say, all right, there's this theory of how people learn and it has to do with behavior or it has to do with thinking or it has to do with relationships. And if you were to honor or build a, build a program that honors these kind of principles in this theory, then uh, you'll be better set for success. And so that uh, more practically to small groups, going back to a Gladen and Donahue distinctive is that, hey, we want to put that target on the wall of what is a disciple for us. And then we're going to design around that. Okay, well, the way theory would be impactful for the small group would say, is the target on the wall primarily information? Mm-hmm. Like we're building Bible scholars. Like that's clearly we want to do that, but is that the target on the wall or is that kind of something that happens as a byproduct? What's the target on the wall? If it's information, then we will want to use a lot of cognitive learning theories, information processing type stuff. But if the target is more behavior, like getting mm-hmm. out into the world, you can kind of see the big meta meta areas of yeah. small group ministry here. If it's more getting involved in ministry, then you're going to want to use behavioral theories is the argument. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to be more, we're just doing the life together and we're, we're learning together, but it's more relationship. It's the glue mm-hmm. that holds the church together. You would want to use more humanistic uh, theories. Now, let me mm-hmm. clarify, not secular humanism. Right, right. That's not what we're talking about. Educational humanism is what we're talking about. And that's perfectly fine. Put it next to scripture and see what works for you based off your theology and what doesn't. So the impact learning theories can have on the design of a small group ministry are huge if you're willing to engage that conversation. Some people don't engage it at all. That's so fascinating. Okay, so can you um, give us an example, Josh, like at, at Rush Creek, what, how, what, what would this look like, these um, different approaches for what you're doing? Yeah, so philosophy has a lot to do with it. So theory and philosophy, um, I, I think scriptures come first, and then after that comes theology. And that's how you see the denominations kind of go like this. And out of theology comes your worldview your philosophy of how the world works. And out of philosophy comes theory. Out of theory comes methodology. And so there's a process you go through intellectually as sitting in that point leader chair of saying, Mm -hmm. okay, what do I think will be helpful for our ministry? So when I say philosophy, I'm saying, what is the role of a leader? So at Rush Creek, we've gone through this process. Mm -hmm. We go through it all the time because our people change. But Mm -hmm. what is the role of the leader and what is the role of the student? For an instance, if your target on the wall is information, like we want mm-hmm. biblical scholars, right, right. then the role of the, the leader needs to be more of a disciplinarian, like someone who's going to put them through their paces and ensure mm-hmm. that they get through the curriculum, ensure that they're actually practicing what they're reading. So more, more the teacher role versus a facilitator or a shepherding kind of role. Exactly. So that would okay. be more of a traditional phil- philosophy bent, and okay. you can go kind of go and go wild in that area. But more of a progressive, not in the political sense, but more of the educational sense, a sure. progressive uh, approach would be what you talked about. Hey, you know, we're about progress. The the small group experience is not a training ground mm-hmm. for for people to be to be equipped to be sent out. No, the small group experience is life. It's an adventure that the, the facilitator role is to be an encourager, a cheerleader. We want you in the game, okay. taking ownership. And so you go, well, that's very distinctive for the leader. That, what does that say for the student? Well, that means the student is engaged and not a passive participant. Right. But if it's for information, the student right. is there to learn. Right. 
that makes so much sense. It's interesting because, you know, ideally we'd say we want all of it, right? But reality yeah. is you don't get all of it. And um, and I, I like your emphasis on the leader role too, because if, if you're clear about which, um, which kind of model um, and which target you're going for, then that should should inform the kind of leader you're developing or even looking for, mm-hmm. right? Because you need mm-hmm. some you need more of you know certain skill sets for various things. Um, so let me ask you this: lately, you know, for the last seven months plus, <laughs> we've been we've all become televangelists or um, video <laughs> video teachers or mm-hmm. video. Um, small group facilitators Mm -hmm. do you think it's different in the video uh, online format or is it similar or how and you teach so much on video too how have Mm -hmm. you noticed how these theories play out um with an online um, group situation well research is being done i follow several cognitive psychologists just so i can keep i mean i'm not a cognitive psychologist so i have to i have to figure out what they're saying because they're the ones who study this kind of thing in depth, like on the scientific level. And uh, it seems, it seems the early data seems to suggest that synchronous is not, is not, not popular. (laughs) People, people don't like the synchronous. I mean, this is the YouTube generation. People want to watch it on their own in their jammies on on demand. And so, uh, I mean, Rush Creek is, I mean, we, we try to serve our community. That's what we're focused on, not, you know, setting trends. So what we've decided to do is um, find out. I had, actually, we had someone in our church who I consulted who works for AT&T. Mm-hmm. And I said, Richie, how in the world do y'all determine new avenues for, by which to design new products? And he goes, well, we start with how are people consuming media? And then we find someone who's an expert in that. And I said, well, how is there like a, a lead indicator? Like, how do you know? And he said, no, it's a lot of it's organic, like being Sherlock Holmes, figuring mm-hmm. out, okay, why is this happening the way it is? Like to pull the thread and see where it takes mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And so when I applied that to how we reach our congregation digitally uh, through small groups and training, I said, man, my kids really are on YouTube a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking around and saying, they will sit and watch Dude Perfect for a 35 minute video. They will, but but when it comes to learning something that we want them right. to learn, you know, it's the sitcom. Like every every right. sixteen minutes or whatever, got to have a commercial. So what we've tried to do to, in order to keep in line with the early research, I say early because who knows what the long term effect right. will be, uh, is we've decided to make our content asynchronous, so make it on demand, mm. and then our synchronous gatherings for relationship. Angela Duckworth, um, she's at. Penn, uh, Penn University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, she wrote, yeah. Grit? Grit, yep. She wrote Grit, which I have the book somewhere. Anyways, she, uh, in her weekly newsletter, uh, this past week of the, that the, what day was that? Sunday, yeah. It goes out every Sunday. It was on this, and it was saying that artificial intelligence is doing so much. It'll actually run our calendars for us, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it cannot replace the human element. Right. Right? So uh, asynchronous Education can be great, but it can't say, okay, how are you really doing? Right. Synchronous can. Yes, but it's interesting because you're right. Culturally, we are moving towards um, toward having it not be at the same mm-hmm. space. Everyone on demand. That's mm-hmm. how our culture is training us. Yeah. Uh, technology is basically training us is, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who's really who's really in charge here? So for, for groups, especially now they've been on um, – 
online groups or just not been able to meet in person for so long. Mm-hmm. I, I'm initially they were all kind of excited and and they were you know into it to try it um, and it had some novelty but now it just seems and i'm seeing this on the small group network too there's just a lot more burnout with it um and i think more of us are putting our training on um, demand because of the limitations of you know using the technology and really you can the training if the main i guess back to your point earlier what's the target right if the training is more likely to be information and um, download or more of that, more academic, then it, mm-hmm. it's fine that it's that way. I guess it bothers me if we're actually like we used to in our, in our environment, um, we used to make our training also our times of fellowship and cheerleading and, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of putting wind in people's sails and you just can't mm-hmm. do that, um, in a similar way. And so I felt like I've had to separate out what, what are essential that we can, we must do at the same time together and what are things we can provide on demand? I think something your experience is so common that I'm, that I'm hearing over and over again. But one thing I think is important to note is the fact that we have them online engaging in our content is not a guarantee that effective learning will take place. Ooh, not a guarantee. Okay, so you got you got to underscore that. So yeah, just because they're consuming content, wow! So senior pastors everywhere, preaching pastors everywhere, is going to weep over this. So yeah, just because yeah, they're should. consuming the content means that not necessarily they're learning it. Exactly. So there's a field mm-hmm. of academic study called andragogy, mm-hmm. and there's pedagogy, which is the art and science of teaching children, and there's andragogy, art and science of teaching adults. And so we kind of use pedagogy as an umbrella term. We do, yeah. Yeah, but Andrew goes is to focus on adults. And so if you're listening to this and you serve adults, this would be very important for you to kind of be acquainted with. Mm-hmm. And so what uh, Malcolm Knowles did is the father of, of, of modern day Andrew Goji, is he came up with these kind of six observations that if we don't take them into account, then we're not going to reach our, pers- our, our, our group members in this case for effective learning. And he lines out what those six things are. And so there, there are things like adults need to understand, why am I learning this? Like, what's, mm. the, what's the hook? And the, you just look at a practical example of everyone knows somebody who just all of a sudden gets interested in triathlons. Mm-hmm. And then they become obsessed. Yes, they, they learn, learn how everything to diet. about it. <laughs> what's going on there? They understand the why. The why is because I want to mm. fill in the blank. I want to be healthier. I want to achieve this. I want to be part of a community. And so all of a sudden, they're able to learn all these things. They desire to learn these things. So understanding the why they need to learn this, uh, whatever it is you're trying to teach them, is very important. So you get into uh, uh, age-appropriateness conversations with when you're talking with kids as well. So another one is it needs to be relevant to what they're dealing with. absolutely. That's why the sermon-based discussion seemed to go well with people because— It, it feels very relevant, very present with them because they mm-hmm. just heard it. So that's a strength probably of using that um, that tool. Yeah, because it's right in front of them and mm-hmm. they have a d- deep desire to understand what the pastor is trying to teach them. One that's going to one that can easily wreck a small group is this idea of self concept. So self concept, mm-hmm. it's a, yeah, it's a very weird phrase, but let me see if I can describe it this way. It matters a great deal to me that you know that I'm responsible to take care of myself and my family. It's this idea of taking responsibility for your life and then other people acknowledging that. Like, in other words, I don't want to be embarrassed because I forgot to, um, you know, my my washer broke 
And when people ask me about it, I start realizing that, oh my gosh, they're starting to think I don't know what I'm doing. We don't <laughs> like that feeling. That's self-concept. Okay. okay. And so when we act in ways or when we put trainings together or talk to people in ways that makes them feel like we're imposing our will onto them. Oh, I see. They're out. They run for the hills. They go, well, I'm done with this. Mm. I'm going to look my phone, get on Twitter, whatever. And so oh. what you're doing is you're, you're encroaching on their self-concept. They're like, I'm, I'm a big boy. You don't have to enforce your will. I can take care of myself. Okay. That can wreck a group. Why are people not engaged? Well, let's take a look at how you've been leading. Mm. Maybe there's something there, maybe not. But the age level readiness is something I also wanted to mention is not only just chronological age, but spiritual age. So oh. where are they at? If yeah. uh, So there's, there's uh, some work done by a, a, a psychologist named Vygotsky. We will know this in the church as the teachable moment. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's called, in, the, in, in my realm, it's called the zone of proximal development. And he did it with children. And they said whenever they mature physically to a certain age, they reach a, a zone to where they can then potty train, a zone where they can then right. ride their bike with no training wheels. Yeah, because they need a certain amount of biological control. And, and Correct. Things. Correct. There's something similar that goes on with adults. For spiritual. Okay. So let me give you this example. So let's say a 10th grade girl. Mm-hmm. My gosh, my daughter's in 10th grade. This is, <laughs> is kind of scary. But a 10th grade girl... She is, goes to class and her, and her counselor says, we're going to sign you up for this class that's going to teach you how to change oil in the car, uh, change a light bulb, work a checkbook, domestic type right, duties. Right. She's probably going to say, I'm not really interested in that, but I have to take it. So whatever I have to do to pass, but I'm not mm-hmm. engaging in this. Right. Okay. So that's, she's not ready for that class because right. she's in 10th grade under the, under the shelter of her parents. Okay. Get her pregnant. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what happens now if she's pregnant? There's a high sense of urgency. Exactly. So she is now ready to engage these learning experiences. She needs to know how to do a checkbook. She needs to know how to take care of baby. She needs how to do these domestic type duties because they're about to be thrust upon her. And a similar effect happens in small group. What mm-hmm. are we asking them to do? We want you to go and serve a soup kitchen. Do you know their story? Are they ready to go yeah. and get involved in that? Oh, that's so interesting. So, okay, I, I, I think this is so important. So we need so we need to help our leaders understand the spiritual um, mm-hmm. maturity age level so that what they're learning actually fits that. Do you think that matters with um, say young adults versus boomers versus Gen Xers? Have you, is there a generational difference? Yeah, I would argue there is there there is a difference. Um, I'm I don't have the skill set or the credentials to say for sure how big the difference is because I don't I don't specialize in childhood development. It's okay, you can just guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to qualify <laughs> that. Don't take this and say, "Well, Josh said." Um, no, when you're dealing with the, uh, I call it the Jordan Peterson effect. Okay. So if you're not familiar with who he is, he's a public intellectual out of the University of Toronto. Very intelligent yeah. guy, very popular guy now. He's been really popular, yes. Absolutely. So the, I call it the Jordan Peterson effect. So when you're dealing with younger folks, 20s, 30s, there's a, for some reason, and Jordan has mentioned this in some of his interviews, you can see them, they're all on YouTube. And he has mentioned my, my followers, adherents who buy my books seem to be people in their 20s and 30s who are men and huh. not, not so much older folks. And okay. so what's, what's going on there? So this idea of self-identity is at stake. So self-identity, we know for, for children, their self-identity, their what we call self-efficacy, their self-confidence, right. and their ability to achieve things 
comes from their authority figures in their life. Mom, dad, grandparent, grandma, teacher, which okay. is a whole new conversation in the Gen <laughs> X and in the, in, in the kind of next gen space. Anyways, they get it from authority figures. Then as they grow and that, that physical development, that biochemical development mm-hmm. that happens in their brain, it starts to expand and they realize I can understand abstract concepts now. Right. Oh my gosh. You know, there's a lot to this world that I want to question. We've seen that all throughout the ages of history with this generation, this demographic rather. So as they start doing that, their, their authority then begins to go, hmm, it's still, it's still going to be external. I'm going to be looking at other people to help me interpret these new experiences. But then as they get to a certain stage, uh, probably middle age, somewhere in there when their brain fully develops, they get enough life experience under their belt and then it switches to where now authoritative sources do not determine their self-identity, their experiences determine their self-identity. Because listen, look at my dad. He's like, I can listen to Jordan Peterson and I'll go, hmm, all right. I'm like, dad, what do you, what do you think about that? He goes, <laughs> well, I've lived a long time and that kind of sounds like something I've dealt with before and I feel good about where I am with that. Whereas in these 2030s, they're right. like, I've never dealt with this before. Because it's less So formed. I would say there is a difference. I would say, yes, it's less formed. So, uh- and then this, so the task of the small group leader for us as point people is really challenging because now you have to pay attention to their biological age and their self-concept and how that's mm. forming, where they're at. And then you have to pay attention to their, um, you know, their spiritual age, mm. right? And then you have to pay attention to whether you want them to learn new stuff intellectually or do stuff or mm. emotionally connect with people. Mm. So this is a, a this is just a very big task. I think it's a bit <laughs> overwhelming. So Josh, if okay, if a listener is going, okay, I've never really paid attention to learning theory or anything related to that, um, what are some like first steps that mm-hmm. uh, we could take as we look at our ministry models and go, okay, well, how do we make them more effective or at least take a step towards making them sure. more effective for people to, to learn better? So two, two things come to mind quickly. One is take a deep breath and ask yourself this question. What is it we're really trying to accomplish here? Mm. It's supposed to be hard. Why do we think it's supposed to be easy? Because this we is, say anyone can lead a group, and so he's supposed to be easy. <laughs> well, that's a different chat. That's a different that's chat. A different conversation. We'll have different that one next, next time. <laughs> exactly. But it's, there, it's supposed to be hard. This is eternal work we're doing here. It's true. With forces of evil pushing against us. We think it's going to be a cakewalk? No, it's mm-hmm. going to be hard. So that's the first thing that comes to mind, is to get some perspective as to what we're really doing here. So secondly, is to develop your own organizing principle that will take all of the cloudiness out of, you know, how we support our leaders and put it into a a principle that's an organized around conversations. So at Rush Creek, give you something tangible. We use an organizing principle I got from Leroy Ford back in the 20th century. Um, It's just worked for, for my style. You don't have to use this. You can use whatever you want, but it's someone learned something in some way in some place for some purpose. Now it, 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 it rolls off the tongue, but what it means is someone is our people. Right. Asking all the questions about your people, right? Someone learned something. That's the content asking mm-hmm. all the questions about, Hey, we want them to learn the word of God clearly, but 
it's not just open the book of Esther and go to town. No, there's, there's a process that they need to, we need to honor. Someone learned something in some way. What are the methods we're going to use? Not Sunday school methodology or small group. That's, that's, an easier question to answer because mm-hmm. that's so that's so dependent it's like strategy on strategy versus yeah versus what you're yeah about. so the methods are are we going to use group discussion are we going to going to use narrative poetry uh, epilogue that kind of stuff are we going to use field trips are we going to use mm-hmm. what are the exact methods we want to employ and train our leaders around so someone learns something in some way in some place what are the environmental distinctives that we're having to wrestle with if it's online. How is that mm-hmm. going to look for online? Right. If it's at Starbucks, if it's on campus. So we need to ask these questions and, and make sure that we have an answer for these. Someone learns something in some way, in some place for some purpose. This is the Accelerate conference, right? This gives <laughs> this you direction for everything. If you've not been to Accelerate, do yourself a favor and get there. Um, so I would say an, an organizing principle. And by the way, you can have them for different ministries. You can have one for your millennials. You can have one for your boomers. Mm-hmm. You can have one... But here's the beauty of it. It's not that it's fancy and you can you can say, hey, look, I have an organizing principle. No, it's the conversation it forces your team to have. Mm, true, true. You can have a balanced approach and say, you know what? Nothing's going to get left out because we're going to force ourselves to talk through these big issues. And right. through talking them, we're going to have a crystal clear understanding of what our leaders need to do and what they don't need to do. Wow, that's really helpful. And I think it does. It does kind of rise above the the clouds, so to speak, mm-hmm. of all the different mm-hmm. pieces, because that can be overwhelming. And I do appreciate your pastoral word. You stepped into the pastor space there for a sec. <laughs> um, that you know, we we shouldn't expect it to be easy. I think we're so guilty of of that, and we want because we're always recruiting new leaders, right? So we want yep. to say this isn't hard, but you know, the fact is, yeah, this is where this is spiritual work, and we mm. um, can't do it without God anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it behooves us to uh, apply the best, you know, learnings that education mm-hmm. has to offer right. to, to be the most effective. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really helpful. Thank you so much, Josh, for this conversation. I know we barely dipped our toe into it, and there's a lot more, <laughs> lot more there. So if people want to engage with you, um, what's the best way for them to reach you? At this moment, it's just going to be email. They can email me at joshr at rushcreek.org. You can put it in the notes, I'm sure, but joshr, as in Rose, joshr at rushcreek.org. Perfect. And I know you're part of the small group network um, in Dallas, and I know um, thanks for promoting Accelerate. Um, Steve will Mm -hmm. be really happy about that. (laughs) But yeah, that's exactly what that does. It forces you to ask those questions and then um, come out with a plan. So it's really Yeah, well, let me me give a five-second thing on that. Mm -hmm. I went through that personally. And then I brought my team to San Clemente. This is before they did the regional. Mm-hmm. Uh, brought my team to San Clemente. We went through it. And then Rush Creek hosted an Accelerate. Wow. And this, this event is as advertised. That's you awesome. leave there feeling confident, head, uh, head standing tall. Like mm-hmm. I know exactly my first couple of steps. I don't have the whole plan thought through, but I know the tools I need to think it through. So if you're on the fence, don't be on the fence any longer. And that's actually great because, Josh, you've been doing this so long and you still found it so helpful. Um, and Absolutely. you're in a, in, a, in a large established church, so mm-hmm. we can always get better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so that's great. So thank you for that. Um, and and you can also interact with Josh on our Facebook um, small group network page. And I've seen you pop in there every so often. So if you have any questions as you listen to this that you would like to ask, please engage with us there as well. So thank you so much, Josh. God bless you and your ministry, all the various facets of, <laughs> of your ministry, um, both 
in academia and in the church. This was fun. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Here to There. And until next time, remember, we are better together. Hey, Small Group Network family. Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer and Small Group Network creative arts director. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of From Here to There. And also thank you to Josh Rose for being a guest on this episode. Now, before we go, let's talk about some great things coming up. The Small Group Network is storming out of COVID with a slew of strategic training events slated for 2021. Our first event of the year will be an Accelerate Small Group Workshop in Houston, January 26th and 27th. Get $50 off now by using code HOUSTON50 through the end of the month. Again, that is HOUSTON50. Next, we have our annual lobby gathering conference held in the stunning Saddleback Retreat Center in SoCal, February 23rd through the 25th. Get $100 off the current price by using code SAVESKRILLA through the end of the month as well. That's S-A-V-E-S-C-R-I-L-L-A. Visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash events to lock in these great savings today. And thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.